Edwards Life Sciences would like to express our gratitude for all those on the front lines of responding to this fluid situation with COVID-19. We appreciate the strong leadership and dedication of healthcare providers to patients around the world, and we express our care and concern for you during this challenging time. You're listening to Rock's Heart Radio from the front. Today, Roxana Mehran speaks with Layla Hassanian about her experience in Chicago. Hello, my name is Roxana Moran, coming to you from Rock's Heart Radio. This is a taping with one of my wonderful colleagues, a dear friend on the COVID-19 front lines that we're putting forward from the front. I have with me today, conversing with me today with her short period of time, Dr. Leila Hosseinian. She is currently Assistant Professor of Anesthesiology, Director of the Cardiothoracic Intensive Care Unit at the Loyola University Medical Center, Department of Anesthesia and Perioperative Medicine. And she's just recently left us at Mount Sinai Hospital where she was the medical director of the CTICU, the fellowship director of the Critical Care Anesthesia Anesthesiology Fellowship. And uh, we miss her so much. And it's so, so nice to be able to, to speak with you now that you're in Chicago. Welcome to our program, Dr. Hosseinian. Thank you, Dr. Mehran. I miss you guys at Mount Sinai so much, and I feel, in one way, I feel really sad that I'm not at Mount Sinai working with some amazing physicians, nurses, um, PAs that I've worked with for, for the last 10 years helping to fight um, this horrible disease process. I know, and it's such an incredible pandemic, unprecedented, and not having you at Mount Sinai, we can tell you we are missing you. You are one of the uh, most amazing, uh, really uh, uh, incredible clinicians, physicians. Um, you've saved so many lives of many of our patients, my patients specifically, and you would be incredible right now in the front lines. But we want to talk a little bit about how are things in Chicago, where you are. I think it's a big, big um, uh, difference between what's going on in Chicago, perhaps even in, in uh, Loyola University, maybe versus what's going on downtown Chicago in 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 the at Northwestern or even at U Chicago, uh, and then what's happening here in New York. The contrast is tremendous. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Uh, yeah, there is a lot of uh, differences in terms of of um, the numbers of COVID patients, depending on kind of the geographic area of Chicago. Chicago is a pretty um, diffuse city, and Loyola is actually in Maywood, which is just to the west of the city. Um, our volumes are definitely a lot lower than they are at Northwestern or University of Chicago or even Rush. Those are the three largest centers with the largest volumes. Um, but we do have our, our we do have a sizable number of patients, and there has been a lot of work within Loyola um, to really um, make sure that we have available the beds and the ventilators um, that we need to be able to provide support for the surrounding area that we cover. Uh, Loyola is also part of a Trinity network of hospitals, which is all, which actually is a series of hospitals all around the country. So, but within Chicago, there's, there are some smaller centers and they send their sicker patients to us. But definitely in, in the city of Chicago, uh, they, the volumes are a lot higher 
Um, and we do gather together once a week, uh, all of the ICU, the heads of the ICUs within the critical care anesthesiology group, and we talk about what, kind, what our patients are facing, what we have, what we don't have, what's worked, what doesn't work. And we get together once a week on a Zoom meeting um, in order to be able to share information in order to improve the care that we're providing for these patients. Yeah, I know as uh, someone who's in the intensive care unit and, and understands what's going on here, I'm sure you can uh, really, really imagine uh, the, the difficulties that you guys are facing. I know that at Mount Sinai, anesthesiologists are front and center in this. They're becoming very, very creative, thinking about split ventilators and the kinds of things that they can do to make sure that they can deal with the volume of patients. And thankfully, we've been able to have enough of that. Uh, but what about personal protective equipment? And it seems that um, for you as an anesthesiologist, where you'd be doing procedures on these patients that have a lot of aerosolized uh, um, uh, contaminate, contamination, you could be at a much, much higher risk, especially with, uh, um, uh, you know, the viral load that can be delivered to you guys if you're not well protected. How good is your hospital and how are you guys doing in Chicago as far as the PPE? Is it different for, for all of you in the intensive care unit versus the usual COVID ward? Tell us a little bit about that. So the COVID wards are pretty well stocked. They have um, the PPE that they need and they do have to continually use the same uh, mask, but then they can put a surgical mask over it. But they have a supply where um, they can change their, their N95 mask. Um, you can also at Loyola bring your own if you have one of those kind of, um, there's these higher level 3M masks that people can buy. So they do allow for people to bring um, outside masks as long as you've gotten them fit tested. The issue that I see comes from, especially among anesthesiologists, is that we are gonna be ramping up our cases. So there is gonna be a slow move to start to do more than just emergency cases. And the issue with these the process is that- patients, non-COVID. Yeah, these are, well, these are, they are coming up with testing policies to try to decrease, obviously, the risk of bringing someone in with COVID. Um, sure. And, you know, the, the, the testing regimens are constantly changing in terms of who needs to be tested and who doesn't need to be tested. And it's not a uniform, everyone needs to be tested for a procedure before they have it. Right now, when, when patients are coming for procedures, and most of the procedures that we're doing are ortho procedures where someone's fallen, broken something, um, sure. And a lot of cancer surgery. So these patients are not getting COVID tested before they come to the operating room. Yeah. So we still, as an anesthesiologist, do use N95 regardless of whether, because we don't know if these patients have COVID or not. There's so mm -hmm. many patients that such a large percentage of patients will not even have symptoms. So we are treating them as if they have COVID, but we are very limited in terms of masks. You use the same mask day after day after day after day until basically it breaks or if it's soiled on the outside. And there's so many different, when you look to see what is really how you're supposed to use these masks, that's not necessarily within the limits of, of, of you're not supposed to be using these masks day in and day out until they literally snap and break. Um, 
but that's what we're doing. And the other thing that concerns me is that the other people in the operating room are not using the N95 mask. And now with reports that, for example, in China, that they found some of the um, some remnants of the virus in, in the hospital, even after um, that place had been cleaned and was emptied out for a while. I don't know how long this virus is kind of in the ORs and the other people coming into the ORs, like the nurses and the um, surgeons are not wearing N95s, they're just wearing regular masks. So um, I don't know what their level of, their level of risk, of, even though they're not basically in the airway. Um, so obviously our load is always the highest as anesthesiologists. Um, as we know, this can be aerosolized in the room and the operating rooms are not negative pressure, they're positive pressure. So um, there is that, that risk that we're facing. Yeah, so there's been a lot of talk about, you know, kind of turning into these negative pressure rooms and, and uh, being much more cognizant and that the whole era of how we care for patients in general are going to be sort of like your COVID positive till proven otherwise, almost like I remember during the AIDS epidemic where um, we were basically using HIV precautions on pretty much everybody we were performing procedures on based on the fact that there could be some contamination, et cetera, to the, to the operator. So I think it's, an, it's tremendously important that um, we begin thinking about what that's gonna look like uh, as we start to open for, uh, for care outside of the COVID um, pandemic, which patients need so desperately. And I think the collateral damage could be massive if we don't get this right. And so I think it is a really, really important points that you make about what, um, what kinds of plannings have to go into these healthcare centers that are really, really suffering from their financially suffering because they're not performing procedures, but that the worst thing they could do is to expose both their staff and the patients uh, to COVID if they don't plan well. So it's a really, really important thing. I wanted to sort of- Turn the, uh, turn the attention a little bit. So, I mean, a, a lot of stress, right? I mean, you're, you're there, think, you know, caring for the patients and especially as an anesthesiologist and dealing with how you supporting, you know, making sure that you're being cared for as well as protected. Your patients are getting uh, the best care that you possibly could deliver. But as a woman uh, and, and a clinician, physician who's, uh, has all this, you know, you're starting a new job, you're trying to make a new impression. Um, you've moved your entire family now over to Chicago. Um, and um, you have a, a, a small child. How are you managing all of that? And how, what kind of stresses that no one knows about are women facing these days uh, on the front lines outside of just caring for the patients who are so horribly sick and so uh, and, and, and so difficult to manage. Um, this period has been very stressful. I mean, I even considered not starting this new job because it literally just started because of the difficulties in terms of um, how it was going to impact my family. My husband is also a physician who's going into the hospital and has obviously has risk of being exposed to COVID just from that. And so I would think to myself overnight, like, what am I going to do if my husband gets sick and I have a young child and I get sick because I'm also going to the hospital, what happens to her? So these thoughts obviously were in my mind before um, 
before I started. But instead, though, I chose to start because I think it's really important, especially as an anesthesiologist and intensivist, my skills are so necessary at this point in time. And so I felt that I really had a need to, to start working. Um, and so I started April 1st, which is what was going to be my expected date of start. Um, it's been challenging, though, because school is out. Um, my child's not in school. Uh, we're stuck in an apartment. We're trying to continue to teach her. Luckily, she's only four, so the curriculum isn't so broad. But um, we're trying to keep her in, engaged and um, and to balance that and balance all the difficulties of now doing anything you need to do. Groceries are more difficult. Every step of life is more difficult now. Um, trying to entertain her even though she can't go outside. Trying to have her understand why she has to wear a mask. These are additional stresses that already in a stressful situation make everything even more difficult. And sometimes I feel guilt guilty that I'm not here to manage all those for all those those these changes with her um, and instead I'm being pulled to help others um, which is my job and my profession and I love doing it um, but it, it's just a little bit it's more difficult to kind of pull away from your family at this time where all other families are all sitting at home together and parents are working from home with their kids so they're having this very intense family time my husband and I are away and my child is my child is here with our nanny. So we're missing kind of that that we're missing what a lot of other families are able to do during this kind of frightening pandemic. Instead we're separated, which is not ideal, but again, that's this is what I need to do. I need to take care of these patients and as does my husband. Um, and we try to make the best of it when we come home. Um, it's scary when you come home and you just were exposed to a patient um, with COVID. Um, I'm very, very careful in the hospital, as is my husband. But obviously, when I go to sleep in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, I hope that wasn't the patient that's going to get me sick. And I hope I didn't get my daughter sick. Thank God, though, the sick, this COVID doesn't seem to, um, it's rarely affected any children. And that's the only kind of bright light in any of this um, is I feel as if even if I get sick, the risk of passing it to my child is very low. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, listening to you, it just, uh, you know, just listening makes me feel stressed. I can't imagine uh, the stress that you're feeling as a young physician who's trying to make your mark and, um, you know, advance in your career and balance your life at home and figure out uh, childcare as well as worrying about passing the virus to your child. It's tremendous. Um, what are you doing to, for yourself? How are you caring for yourself? That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I'm not sure how to answer. Uh, aren't um, we I so bad I about that, right? I mean, I think it's really important that you listen to, maybe hopefully you'll go back and listen Hello, I can't, I can't hear. And say yourself, wow, that uh, sounds, hi. Hopefully you can go back and listen to this wonderful 
podcast and say to yourself, wow, you know, I, I need to take care of myself. I think it's tremendous amount. Uh, I want to, um, I want to really thank you for uh, your time and sharing with us some of your um, frontline experience, but also really, really deep, genuine feelings of what it means to also manage your family and your uh, everything else that's going on. Uh, there are so many women in the front lines, um, right on the front, um, caring for patients. Uh, we think about 70% of the workforce there are women and imagine what they have to deal with because for the most part they're young with the young families and they have to deal with all of those important issues and still have um, have uh, have to deal with uh, with uh, with everything else. So um, I'm hoping that we can all, that we can all gain uh, from this conversation and have some time for yourself and uh, think about the stresses. Um, we're going to follow up uh, at another time. We're going to have a series of women that we're going to talk to. Dr. Hosseinian, thank you so, so much. Please take care of yourself. Go out there and uh, make sure your beautiful daughter and family is cared for first and foremost. And then, of course, uh, thank you for what you're doing every single day and for your amazing expertise and finding time to talk with us. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me on this podcast. It's always, you are always inspirational and, um, and it's, it's, you know, I, I'm so glad to be there helping these patients and, and kind of taking my expertise and maximizing it. So it's what we do um, and I'm happy to do it. You're amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks. Okay, so that was great. Thank you. I know I don't know what happened. You kind of missed. Uh, we we got cut yeah, off. Yeah, it, it suddenly went off. But you then, know what? But I, I think I kept I talking. Know. I think it was just you. I don't know what what. Um, I couldn't hear. Daniel but, got. But Daniel, say, are you back what, on? I'm back on. Yeah, no, we did. You you oh. cut off Dr. Moran actually. So I don't know if you want to repeat what you said then. I yeah, I couldn't hear you at all. What part of it were we? Okay, so from where did I get cut off? And it was just as we were. You were saying, hopefully, you know, I mean, I think you might have repeated at the end there, hopefully you can listen to this again. It was but just okay. before okay. that. Let me just try that again, all right? Can, can, I, can I just say one thing? Can, yeah. Can you add something somewhere yeah. about, because, so I was talking to my, one of my former, one of the girls, who's, she's still a fellow. She was a fellow when I left and she has one more, she's going to be finishing in June. The girl is pregnant, and she's a critical care fellow. Yeah, the, our next person is is a pregnant woman who's going to. Oh, talk. good, because I wanted to make sure that some, these poor pregnant women, because there's so many women, and some of them are pregnant. I wanted to make sure that. No, the next person is pregnant. Perfect. Good. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let's finish the taping. I, I want to say that again, so we recapture it. Ready, Daniel? Uh, yeah, we're ready. Okay. Well, it's amazing listening to you, Dr. Hosseinian. Thank you so much uh, for sharing with us your um, incredible zeal for saving lives um, as your um, visceral, complete commitment to patient care, which is all of us physicians and how we put everything um, behind us when we have to care for our patients, they come first. 
and you are the perfect example of that. But importantly, to also uh, dive a little bit deeper into what's really going on and the added stresses as a mom, as a new mom with a, uh, with a four-year-old uh, child who needs, also needs a lot of your attention and your husband who's also a healthcare worker. And then importantly, as you start, um, you're launching a new career at a new medical center. I'm sure that also has got its own stresses. I hope you come back and listen to this podcast and know that you're going to have to take some time for yourself and find ways to care for, for yourself. Part of the series that we're doing here is to bring out what the 70% of the healthcare frontline workers are women and for the world to know that it's more than just taking care of the patients for these women, that there's a lot more going on behind, uh, behind the scenes. And we feel that it's really important that they reach out, that they get help, that they uh, spend time caring for themselves and, and caring for, for, um, for their own, both body, emotionally, physically, everything. So thank you so much, Dr. Hosseinian, and we wish you all the best. Thank you for your commitment and for what you do in, on the front lines. And um, thank you for sharing your time during this very busy time for yourself. Thank you so much, Dr. Mehran, for having me on this podcast.